0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 23 of the No Look Past Podcast, presented to you by wrspn.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but share with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, aka my mom's favorite son, who would like to say to everyone that is fooled by March Madness and tries to argue that the college game is better than the NBA, bro, are you kidding me? Yo, Jay-Z would like a word.
1: Well, we don't believe you. You need more people. That's a fact. Uh,
0: I got my co-host with me, Andy Flynn. Flynn was good.
1: Man, you should have saved those people in a lump for the you need more people. I mean, you did it anyways. I really quick want to give a shout-out to my boy, Victor Oladipo. I'm having a great March. Actually, a great everything since the All-Star break. But in the month of March, Oladipo is averaging about 22 points a game, five rebounds, three assists almost a, a little over a block, almost two steals, and he's doing that while shooting above 50% from the field, just when I thought the guy was dead in the water.
0: Yes, Scott's tough love works, in that Victor Oladipo's Indiana Hoosiers in the Sweet 16, speaking of March Madness, but we are going to start our show. We, As usual, we will go with while you're watching TNT. We had an extended stretch with the LA Clippers, and we are going to talk a little playoffs. We're going to get, we kind of steer towards the playoffs today. We want to get a little bit with the playoff picture in general, and but we are going to start with our outlet pass which is also affected by the playoffs it's the first pass in any fast break so it's the first pass on our show warriors versus spurs showdown last night the spurs with an impressive 87-79 victory at home to stay undefeated at home andy did this change anything about how you feel with the western conference dynamic or is it sort of a nothing to see here kind of kind of a game
1: yeah, I think it's nothing to see here. I, I, I even posted this morning. I, I think I used that exact wording, nothing to see here. Uh, yeah, everybody's trying to make it more. People are trying to make it out to be more than what it is. I mean, look, we talked, uh, you know, episodes back, and I, I had said a while ago I thought the Spurs were still the better team. You know, then I think it was before Golden State laid one on them at home. But, I they mean, what? the Spurs, the Spurs have – just been there all season. I, I just don't really see any reason to get real worked up about this. They were at home. No bow get, No bow gets huge for, for Golden State, particularly against the Spurs, and we saw it by them only putting up 79 points.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. It did surprise me a little bit how much San Antonio was able to control the pace of the game. I mean, 79 points for the Warriors is just crazy. I mean, this is a team that scores 100 with no problem on a bad day. You know, they really had Steph out of his mode, out of rhythm, but – I I tend to agree with you. I think it's it's nothing to see here because not only with Bogut out but also Iguodala's is out. You can't you can't really minimize what that means for this team. And you know it's it's the Spurs like you're saying the Spurs are not only a good team but a great team. If if the Warriors weren't having the season that they're having right now, the Spurs would be the story of the NBA with the season they're having right now. But because the Warriors have been so unbelievable, the Spurs sort of get lost. But it, let's not act like the Spurs are no offense, but the Spurs are not the OKC Thunder even. You know, they're better. They're a leap ahead of them. They're the second best team in the NBA. So if the second best team in the NBA beats the best team in the NBA at home, I don't know why people get so worked up and think that it's going to be a thing. I mean, when these teams meet in the Western Conference Finals, and yes, they are meeting in the Western Conference Finals. I'm just calling it now. Everybody else can just go home if they want. It's going to be a 6-7 game series. It's not like the, the Warriors are not going to sweep the Spurs. That's just not a thing that's going to happen. So, in saying that, it shouldn't surprise people that the Spurs are able to hold home court per se against the Warriors.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to to play off a little bit of of what you said uh, a few steps back there, the the Spurs are they they just play their game. They they did what you would expect a really good team to do at home, and that's just control the temple. And, of course, you know, that's the thing. This is how fickle people are as a whole. (laughs) This morning, I saw so much of this Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA. I saw, like, one particular thread where, like, multiple people were like, I agree with this. And I'm like, come on. Like, you know, we talked about that. We had a a little part in this show episodes back where I talked to a Spurs fan. I think Kawhi Leonard is great. Listen, I mean, there's nothing against Kawhi Leonard. But just because you – beat the best team, it doesn't automatically make you the best. Somebody on that team doesn't have to now be the best player in the league. Like that, that's not how this works. We're not dealing with the most extreme of the extremes here. But what people should be aware of is the fact that not only can San Antonio – the reason this is such a big win for the Spurs, in my opinion, is not only can the Spurs, has the Spurs showed us that they can beat the Warriors – they can beat the Warriors while playing at their pace, which other teams who have beat the Warriors this season didn't necessarily do it at their pace. Another thing is this shows you that the Warriors, particularly the Splash Brothers, these guys are human. I saw another thing this morning, and this was part of the thing we talked about at the top of the question here. And I I saw it was Stephen A. Smith said, you know, that they just played defense on them. They were in their face. I saw Clay and Curry take a lot of open shots that didn't go into. Like, the that's the thing is the Absolutely. mindset gets crazy with everybody. They missed open shots and that affects you almost more than well defended shots because if you're Steph Curry and you're just flicking them up from half court and they're going in the basket, you can't make a normal 3? That's got to play more of a mental game with you than somebody guarding you because he gets guarded every night. It's not every night that he can't hit the ocean. I mean it's just that that mental thing is a factor and I think Clay stopped seeing them. Those two together were 2 of 19. Okay? Nine of 36 overall, so let's not go too overboard here because nine threes made is still quite a bit. I mean, 25% doesn't help you much, but they really, and I mean, San Antonio kind of did it with, I don't even know how many threes they took. It it wasn't like an overwhelming number. 21, they made eight of them. I mean, nothing crazy. They just, they were physical and they played, you know, they kept their their foot on the pedal when the Warriors struggled, and, and I think that's it. They took it to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the big thing for me in that game that I saw that could, you know, play a factor going forward, but in saying that, you know, we talked about Bogut being out. LaMarcus Aldridge had a great game. If LaMarcus Aldridge is going to give them that kind of performance, that could be a difference maker in that kind of series. But we are going to move on. While you were watching TNT, we were watching pretty much every national channel except for TNT because the LA Clippers were on, like, ESPN. They were on ABC. They were on everything. But they were not on TNT, I believe, if I remember correctly. But the LA Clippers is who we were watching, and extended stretch, as I said, but not one the Clippers themselves will write home about. They went three and four in the last seven while we were watching them with wins over Dallas, Knicks, and the Houston Rockets—kind eh, of all mediocre-ish teams—and losses against some of the juggernauts: the uh, OKC Thunder, Cleveland Cavaliers, the aforementioned uh, San Antonio Spurs, and then a severely, severely undermanned Memphis team last night. That was a—that uh, uh, was not—that was not a good game for the LA Clippers. But uh, Andy, I would just like to tell you that before. We talk about the Clippers. I just want to have a moment of silence for Paul Pierce as a meaningful NBA player. So if you can just pay your, pay homage, we're just going to have silence for a couple of seconds. All right. We're going to move on. Cole, all right. So how many L.A. Clippers games did you watch? What were your impressions? Is Paul Pierce still alive? We have so many questions, we need answers.
1: Well, the easiest one to answer, and this is easier than even me knowing how many games I caught, is Paul Pierce is done. Let's just – we'll put that on the table.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, over. I saw, it's
1: over. I saw of the last 90 games while we were watching, I, I did watch the Knicks, I watched the Houston game, and I saw the Spurs game. I saw pieces of a couple of the other games, a little bit of that Cleveland game and a little bit of the Dallas game, but not, not enough to write home about. My yeah, I saw
0: pretty similar to you. Yeah, I, I also saw the Spurs game, so that was a beat down, So <laughs> keep going.
1: Well, I you know, my my first impression and let's not get anything twisted here is the, the first impression is they need Blake Griffin. Um, I don't care what anybody says. Oh, no, don't say that you yet. You bring me. <laughs> 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 and don't I've spoiled the question. Yet. Okay. So let's we'll, we'll dance around that one. So the thing is is I just feel like all of the really good moments that you get from the Clippers in any of these games I saw and you know, I I saw them win, I saw them beat the Knicks or, you know, a mediocre team, uh Houston I just feel like most of the time when the good things happen, all the good things you get, the yes moments, the aha moments, there's like two bad ones. Two of the yeah. like, what's going on? You know, the, the funniest article I saw is, can Doc Rivers quit bringing his kid to to games? And, you no, know, just think of that. They just have some boneheaded things that happen with this team, and it's just like, ugh. And, you know, what are they missing? And we, we obviously know the answer to that. So what are your impressions?
0: So the first impression I had, you know how I always realize it's all the stupid stuff that happens off the court. This one was actually on the court. My man Cole Aldrich, who actually plays legitimate minutes for this team, and is actually not too bad, against Dallas, I believe had the best response to a foul call ever, and it was caught on the microphone because the microphone was like two feet away from him now. And he said, come on, y'all, I thought this was a contact sport. After he clearly <laughs> just pushed somebody aside and got it over the back foul. It rivals teammate Chris Paul's preseason uh, foul call. I don't remember if you remember this, when he said to the official, I have two kids of my own, don't talk to me like one. And then he got teed up in a preseason <laughs> game. Shout out to Chris Paul. We're going to get to you in a little bit. But that was my first impression. My second impression is that J.J. J. Redick is the official vice president of the new club we started last week, the white guys who can play in more than garbage time. And may low-key be coming for Gordon Hayward's head as president. J.J. J. Redick plays so many roles on this team. I mean, he's sort of like... I want to say he's like Kyle Korver on the Hawks, but I think I want to say that the Clippers depend more on J.J. Reddick than the Hawks depend on Kyle Korver, even last year when Kyle Korver was a big part of the Hawks offense. And I'm curious what you thought of J.J. Reddick. I think he is really – we talked about this in the preseason even because I remember in the shooting guard draft, we had J.J. Reddick pretty high, and we talked about how he's become more of a well-rounded player and he's not just a shooter anymore.
1: And let's put another myth to bed real quick. I also <laughs> was listening the other day, and I don't know if it was like Rick Camilla or somebody was saying – I wasn't even actually watching. It was in the background as I was getting ready for work. So I apologize for not having the exact correct person who it was. But they were saying – entertaining the fact that Redick and Chris Paul are the best backcourt in the league. And as much oh, as no. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw a bunch of praise J.J.'s J. way right now, that's, that's we're putting that to sleep. No, 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 stop. Uh, Redick, 31 years old, playing his, probably his best basketball, I would say, of his nine-year career. I've been a fan of him for nine years. Of course, he was drafted by the Magic. I kind of got to watch him go from uh, everybody texting or not texting me. There was no text and Everybody calling me saying, oh, do you really like this Redick move? To me, kind of rolling my eyes. To like, he worked, worked, worked. And he's become a very good player. And I, I do agree with what you said, even though I didn't think of it that way, of how much they rely on him the clippers and i think it's a ton especially chris paul i think it's such a luxury for for guys like chris paul and deandre jordan too to just have a a guy that's like you know a shot box winding down your chris paul you can't create or your jordan you for some reason find yourself with the ball in the low post and you need a a quick because the building is on fire the bad guys are kicking in the door oh look at there's the guy you know the the white guy with the big arm sleeve and he can shoot that shot from anywhere and that's the thing about Redick is Redick is like just as good shooting the ball when he comes off that little baseline screen and he curls around, like just moving. I I think of all players not named Steph Curry or Klay Thompson, J.J. Redick has the best stroke off the move. Like coming through screens, he just moves. He moves like a guy like Reggie Miller or Rip Hamilton would without the ball. And he's certainly, you know, probably the second most important part of that team right now. Uh, you know, Chris Paul being the most agree. important part. Yeah,
0: I would agree that J.J. Reddick is the second most important player. Um, uh, I I I don't want to be too controversial, but I'm not sure how much less important he is than Blake Griffin once Blake Griffin gets back. Um, but we're going to move on. With we're going to get into that a little bit in, in a second. Uh, News flash to O.J. Mayo, Dion Waiters, Nick Young, you better pay homage to the OG, Jamal Crawford. He is, like, major lane. You can only – you must draft behind him because your career is – he needs like royalty checks for all your careers. Uh, Jamal Crawford's doing <laughs> the same thing in the league right now uh, that he's been doing for years, and the same thing these guys are trying to do. And he just he's got the dribble. It's the same Jamal Crawford. You watch him play, and it's just like there's no change in his game between now and when I've seen Jamal Crawford like eight years ago. He's just the same guy. I love Jamal Crawford's game, and there's just not more I could say other than that's the OG, uh, and you you better pay homage
1: and nobody even talks about the fact that Jamal Crawford is older than dirt he's 36 years old and and like people I mean, we talk about him kind of like he's a vet, but when people discuss him or you look at his body of work, you know, he, he seems more like a 31, 32-year-old player. Dude's 36 years old, been in the league for 15 years, and as Frank said, he's still doing the same, dribble, 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 hesitate, get you, freeze, boom, the shot's going down every time. There's nothing you can do about it. When he was with the Hawks, I remember him shooting courts from the emblem against the Magic and just destroying my night.
0: Yeah, actually, speaking of which, he destroyed he – was, it wasn't in this stretch, but when they played the Nets, oh, my God, Jamal Crawford destroyed. I mean, like 32. It was like a season high. And he was just doing that same thing, just like 20 feet from the basket, lulling you to sleep. And then when you, as soon as you're sleeping and resting, he just like pulls up. Oh, man, it was terrible. So, speaking of Paul Pierce being dead, because he is, we've DOA, dead on arrival. There's two guys that have played six, all 68 games this season for L.A. The aforementioned Jamal Crawford and Wesley Johnson. Who I tried to call Wesley Matthews just now because that's the only way it actually made logical sense in my head because I can't believe that Wesley Johnson has played every single game for the LA Clippers. But what is going on here at small forward? We got a little Lukumba Mute going on. We got a little Wesley Johnson. This this is the missing piece, right? This is the, this is what they need. They need somebody that can actually play legitimate three minutes, right?
1: <laughs> they do. It's it's weird. It's like. Uh ever since they got rid of Matt Barnes and he started chasing guys down tunnels, it's like stuff doesn't really work anymore. And, and, to, and to think like Barnes is gone and it was kind of legitimately sold that that we're going to just replace him with like a Paul Pierce or something like that. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I guess a lot of people didn't really tune in last year and see that Paul Pierce was done playing basketball. I think everybody remembers yeah. that one shot in the playoffs that didn't count that weird three right. in the corner that that got waved off and everybody's like yo paul pierce still got it wait till next year and then it next year came and he went to the clippers and people were like yeah they need a small forward like that and then he no he's old <laughs>
0: yeah it's it, it, uh, shout out shout out to my man lance who who did not work on the on the clippers at all but is doing things in memphis my man is <laughs> yeah. making a dance but he was born ready born ready for the grizzlies uh but let's get into the big guys here, the big L.A. Clippers. We're going to talk about the two the two pieces. Chris Paul, unsurprisingly, right now, carries his team completely. I don't think there's any question. There was a moment, I believe it was in the Dallas game, that he went out at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and it was like a minute and 30 seconds into the quarter, and the Clippers just completely imploded, and doctors looked to the bench like, all right, Chris, I guess you're coming back in because clearly we can't even salvage a minute and a half without you on the floor. Um, but I have a question for you because I have this theory that everybody compares Michael Jordan to Kobe. They compare him to LeBron. My my Michael Jordan comparison for our generation is Chris Paul, because I think he has that will to win that that nobody else really has, including LeBron. And I know Kobe's always had that sort of kind of grip as well, but I think. Chris Paul is that teammate that everybody just really dislikes, the same way Michael Jordan was just hated by his teammates because when they wanted to go out on Friday night, Chris Paul was like, no, like, we're going to shoot jumpers right now. Like, get in in here. What the hell is going on with you guys? So is Chris Paul the worst teammate in the NBA is my question.
1: The worst? No, I I could never say that. I could never say that because is Chris Paul as my teammate? is looking down at me in the bench and I got splinters in my hind and he's screaming at me and telling me I'm no good. Listen, I'm still going to rather be teammates with him than with somebody like, you know, Dwight Howard or like... I knew you were going to say know, Dwight. Even like Dwight. Oh, man, I knew you were going to say Dwight. Like, I, I mean, because, listen, because at least he... And Dwight, to me, is the perfect example. I wasn't going to take somebody who just can't play because obviously that's unfair. But right. Dwight at one point it was fair to say Dwight Howard and Chris Paul were about as important as one another to the league. I mean, they were similar in the, in the same tier. The difference being is like Chris Paul might be a prick, but like, I don't think Chris Paul would ever give up on you. Like I think Chris Paul plays hard and I think he tells you things out of, you know, he has good intentions as where Dwight's kind of just like, Nah, don't take that shot anymore because he wants the touch or something. I think with Chris Paul, it's more like Chris Paul's the type of guy to scream in your face if you don't take the shot. And I, I just, I feel like you got to have that sort of leadership. And I almost think that's where you're going with the Michael Jordan thing because, like, as, as much as people hated Michael Jordan, nobody minded those championships. So, I mean, you you need that. Yeah, and this true. era is softer. We have softer people. They don't want to get yelled at. You yell at them, like, a Morris brother's like, yo, I want to trade, man. And he's on the phone calling his parents and stuff, crying. I mean, it's – it's. I, I would take a guy like Chris Paul any day of the week over most of these guys. Old school.
0: Yeah, see, I I think you you made a great case. I, I think I agree with you. I was thinking Dwight Howard, and this might be a telltale sign of why the Rockets are the Rockets. I was thinking Dwight Howard or James Harden, because James Harden might be a bad teammate in the sense that – yeah, he's kind of quiet, you know. Maybe he's not like the worst teammate, but he's got to be the worst guy to play with because you just you give him the ball at the top of the key and everybody just stands there and watches him play, right? That that sucks. That's not a good thing to do. And then Dwight Howard, you just touch on everything. At least Chris Paul, even though he might be a prick like you said, but at least he's going to get you alley oops. Like he's going to get you, you know, the ball right where you need it to hit an open, an open three. So at least he'll have some fun on the court before he just completely berates you. So I think you're right. I don't I don't think it's Chris Paul. We're going to move on to the elephant in the room question, which you touched on, and I think I know your answer. This team needs Blake Griffin, right? Like, do they? Do they yeah. Not? I don't know. You seem to think yes.
1: No, they they do. They they need. They absolutely need Blake Griffin. I don't care what their record was fr- prior to Blake Griffin going down. I mean, we we understand sample sizes in the NBA, and we understand the importance of basketball after the All Star break, and a lot of teams even save stuff for after the All Star break. So I think a lot of that early season stuff you know, we, we've got to put a little bit of it to the to rest. The, the West was tough. Those top three teams being the Thunder, the Spurs, and, and the Warriors were, you know, all kind of there. I think it took these guys a while to click. Unfortunately for Griffin's image, a little bit it happened while he were, was away. And sometimes it's a little easier to make a team, you know, oil them up a, a, a little better when guys are getting more shots because the star player is down. But ultimately, no, this team is not winning much playoff basketball without Blake Griffin. I, I can't see it.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I agree, but my little caveat is I don't think this team needs Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. I think they need Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan. I think if you were to trade, and I've said this numerous times on this show, I was talking about the Celtics making a big trade and trading for one of these guys. I think for the Clippers, if you were to trade Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan and get two to three pieces that can actually play in your rotation and play meaningful minutes and actually – You know, let's say you know the Celtics, the trade that I always came up with was like Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder. Say you had those two guys instead of Blake Griffin or instead of DeAndre Jordan. I think the Clippers would be a lot better off. I would rather trade DeAndre Jordan if it was me. But it seems like they don't need both guys. And I think that's what you realize when Blake Griffin's out is that when they come back, it's not that Blake Griffin is bad for this team. It's that then you have to play Blake Griffin with DeAndre Jordan, and I think that combo – is not good for this team long-term. And I think they beat a lot of teams just because they're better than them, just because they have more talent. That happens a lot in the NBA. That's kind of how you mask your problems in the NBA is when you have so much talent like the Clippers do, you can beat up on uh, the 76ers or even like the Milwaukee Bucks of the world. But when it comes to the OKC Thunder or the San Antonio Spurs, you're always going to lose because you're missing, you're missing the chemistry here, and that's that's when it's going to affect you.
1: Well, and teams know they can't, they, they don't have to honor certain things with those two on the court at the same time because while Blake can shoot a jump shot, it's very streaky. And you know Jordan's posing no threat to take a jumper. So with those two on the court, you can kind of afford to lay back a little bit and you don't have to really test them for 15 or 18 feet. So I, I think that presents problems, especially the way the game's played now when you see guys like Ryan Anderson out there stretching the floor all the way right. to the parking lot. So there's that. Absolutely.
0: So that is our that was our week with the Clippers. We are going to move on and play the game that we always love to play, which is assist or turnover. Uh, a pass can only score two ways in the box score, that is with good with the assist or bad with the turnover. This time we're going to play it a bit differently because the question will be the same for each team that we present. Like we said, we want to move on to the playoffs here, kind of look towards the playoffs. These are all playoff teams that I'm going to name you, Andy, and the question is will they keep their current seed and will they win a first-round playoff series? So I'm going to start, I've got two East teams and two West teams, I'm going to start with the East. The Toronto Raptors, currently the two seed, and one game back in the loss column with Cleveland. Will they keep their current seed, and will they win their first-round series?
1: I think I'm going to go assist with uh, keeping their current seed. I don't think they'll overtake Cleveland, although it's not impossible, and they're definitely not falling back to three. And I absolutely agree that they'll win a first round. Looking like it, it might be the Pacers or the Hornets or the Bulls, somebody of like that. Anyfriend not the Hornets, probably the Pacers or the Bulls, maybe even the Pistons. So definitely a W there.
0: Yeah, I'm also going assist on this one. I think they do keep their two seed. Um, I don't think Cleveland will drop back, but I think they do have a shot at it. Um, I don't know the schedule, whether they have another head-to-head game against Cleveland. I don't believe so, because I think the last time they beat them, they had won the, se- the season series, which is huge, because now they have the tiebreaker as well, so which makes it more plausible. And I do agree that they will win a first-round series, even though it's always a little questionable for Toronto when we get to playoff time. Hopefully they can kind of change the persona a little
1: bit. <laughs> the
0: next team is the Boston Celtics, currently tied for the five seed with the Charlotte Hornets, who I still actually can't believe is a playoff team. And same question, will they keep their current seed at 5 and will they win a first round series?
1: I'm going to go I want to I want to kind of split this cuz I want to say no, turnover they're not going to keep that 5 seed. I think it's the Hornets, but I do think that they can win a first round series still. I really do against okay. somebody like the Hawks or the Heat.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I'm actually going Can we can I split somewhere?
1: that? Is that is that against the rules?
0: I don't. I think it is against the rules. I think you, you, I think the fun okay, of the game is. I'll that pick you guys, one. It's,
1: it's, I'm. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going with turnover. I. I don't think. I don't think so. Nope.
0: Right. I. I'm also going turnover here because I am really. I agree that I think they're going to end up playing the Miami Heat, uh, and I. I've really been impressed with the Heat lately with the addition of my man Joe Johnson, who is. It, it's kind of funny when you're playing on a bad team, and then all of a sudden you, you go to a good team, How all of a sudden you're good again. It's almost like you weren't trying all your hardest with the bet. No, never mind. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> uh, I, I, respect, I respect Joe Jesus too much to do that. But I'm going turnover because I don't believe that they will keep their currency, and I do not believe that they will win a first-round series. Next, we're going to go to the West. we got the Portland Trailblazers, currently the sixth seed. But they have Dallas and Houston on their tails, one game back, and then Utah sort of looming two games back. So Portland Trailblazers either the sixth seed or could actually miss the playoffs.
1: I'm going uh turnover. I don't yeah. I don't think they'll keep the sixth seed and I, I don't think they're I definitely don't think they'll win a first round series.
0: Yes, yeah, I, I agree. I think they drop to seven, and then they face, you know, if you're in the seven or eight seed, you may as well not even show up. But I think, again, we we talked about this earlier in, in, this, in the show or earlier in the season that I think Portland will have an entertaining sweep by either Antonio or Golden State. <laughs> Last is OKC. Currently the three seed. Um, pretty secure in their spot, the, the Clippers that we talked about. They're three games back, so that's going to be tough for them to catch up. But could play a tricky first-round matchup against a Portland if they keep their six seed, like we just discussed. Or Dallas, who is you know they got the Dirk factor going on.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say assist. Although I do agree with you that I, I'm a little scared for the Thunder now. They've kind of been my my team that I'm saying you know they're good. We got to believe in them, but they can't close games, and to me that spells probably the worst kind of trouble you can have.
0: Yeah, we're gonna disagree here. I'm going turnover. I think they keep the three seed. I'm going assist on that, but I don't trust them. You know, I, I the OKC trust or have to regain my trust here. And I think Portland would be a very tricky matchup for them because I think Portland plays their style, and they might they might even play it a little bit better, to be honest. And Dallas, you know, Dallas is always – you get a frisky Dallas team in the playoffs, and you kind of got to throw records out the window because when you have Dirk and you got all those guys that have playoff experience, it, that's going to be a really bad series for OKC. I think they might struggle. So I'm going to go out on a limb and go with the turnover there. Um, do you have any more thoughts on on the, on the these playoff teams? Is there any team you like more than the other?
1: I mean, I, I think, you know, one thing about the, the Thunder is I think they're going to end up playing Houston. I have some weird feeling that Houston's going to settle in that sixth seed. Somehow they're going to play good enough basketball, just good enough to push Portland out. But I, I'm excited. I really am excited for the Clippers. I, I'm interested in seeing what they do. I'd be really interested if we can get the Clippers Memphis first round would be – outstanding. Oh,
0: that that would be, the Memphis is kind of that X-factor team, I feel like, in the postseason, especially because they're falling apart, you know, personnel-wise, I mean, they're, they're playing good, you know, they're playing well, even shorthanded, but, They're going to be one of those teams that are going to be in the playoffs, and all of a sudden, like, Ray McCollum's going to be playing like 25 minutes in the playoffs, and I have no idea how that's going to turn out. Uh, It could be like a, you know, maybe like a showing up party for Ray McCollum, but they're going to have a a very weird playoff run. You're going to have Lance in the playoffs, maybe like a little redemption. Lance. That that, that would be a nice little series. But we are going to move on to the last segment of our show. Uh, Andy Flint, there's always somebody in the NBA that needs more people, so. Who needed more people this week?
1: Kendrick Perkins needed more. I mean, he, he's gonna beat up I beat up Damian Lillard. Why
0: Kendrick Perkins
1: need more people? Okay, so so Kendrick Perkins, I'm gonna have to tweet this video. Kendrick Perkins uh, beat up Damian Lillard the other day, um, killed him. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I him, and then, yeah, he can. Cl- I mean, Lillard gets by, and and Perkins just clotheslines him, gets a flagrant too, but. He needs more people, but I do want to shout out Mason Plumlee because he wasn't about that life. Mason Plumlee was, like, going after Perkins. I thought he wanted to fight him. And then I think Mason slowly realized, like, yo, I played at Duke. This Kendrick Perkins is mean. He looks like, you know, he came out from under a bridge. And then he kind of calmed down and let people get in between him. But shout out to Mason for going going to work for his uh, point guard. You got to do that.
0: Yo, I would take Kendrick Perkins in a three-on-one handicap match with all the Plumleys against <clears throat> Kendrick Perkins. I got Kendrick Perkins 3-0 TKO first round. So my Who Needs More People is John Henson. I originally had this as Matt Barnes because of the incident that happened that Andy referred to earlier, but then I thought, like, John Henson was, like, the internet thug who ran into the person they were threatening us in the comment sections who was really built like that, and, you know, John Henson, Kendrick Perkins, everybody. Daisy would like the word. Well, you like we don't know. believe you. You need more people. And with that, that is the end of our show. We'll be back next week, hopefully, at our official time here at 6.30 to take you around the journey of the NBA. We will close, as we always do, with the great philosopher Jason Chocolate williams who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar, sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.